Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the tour report from Secret Golf. You can see that Elk is back at home base in Houston after gallivanting all over the place. Augusta National to Adair Manor in Ireland. Did you have the best time? I gotta be honest, Diane, there's not too much difference between Augusta National and Adair Manor other than maybe the weather. Uh, Adair Manor owned by J.P. McManus is probably the most incredible place in the world. They're going to have the 2027 Ryder Cup there. I was there for the week Diane played the golf course. My son went and played La Hinch. I was at Adair Manor and I was walking outside of my cottage on like Tuesday of last week and who's outside my door getting ready to go fly fishing but none other than Masters and Open champion Marco Mira was in town just fishing away at Adair Manor with uh, a couple of his buddies and it was just, you know, awesome to see a guy. He said, I just I just come up here just for the fishing. He wasn't even there to play golf. So, you know, um, Ireland is a terrific place. We had a great wedding with our friends. And um, Adair Manor is going to be something that everybody is never going to forget when they see the 2027 Ryder Cup. What about the Guinness? Did you sample the, the local speciality? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Plenty <laughs> of that. Plenty of Jamesons. Plenty of... Uh, Plenty of, you know, pubs, all that. Did everything you needed to do. Um, the weather is very cold. It had such a wet spring. A lot of the golf courses aren't even open over there yet, Diane. They're still too wet and boggy. But Adair Manor, of course, they have all their greens perched up high. They have the sub-air system. All the trees are awesome. It's just it's the most spectacular place you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the last four holes has a, has a drivable part four that goes right by the castle, I think I sent you a picture, uh, right on the river. Um, I don't know who's going to be the Ryder Cup captain. Will it be Roy McIlroy? Will it be Darren Clark? Will it be Patty Harrington? I don't know, but uh, for the J.P. McManus Pro-Am they had there just before the the Open Championship last year, I think they said they had 70,000 Irish people coming out to watch that Pro-Am. So it was a, it was a fun time indeed, and um, 
I am looking forward to talking about this week at New Orleans. Yes, um, Zurich Classic of New Orleans this week at TBC Louisiana. It's a peat dye course, but you were involved in the build and the design, which we, you know, we, every time this tournament rolls around, it's always so exciting for us to talk about it and, and hear your stories because this course really does have a great tale behind it in that it was built in the, the bayou, in the swamp. How do you build a golf course on top of a swamp? Well, everything in Louisiana is in a swamp. Yeah, I was picked as a player consultant to work with Pete Dye to build this golf course, Diane. It was an awesome um, experience for me being with Pete Dye. And, you know, everything is underwater. You know, the ocean is here in New Orleans and the city is down here. So they have to have these, you know, systems of canals and everything that pumps the water up, out and into the ocean. First thing we did at this course, Diane, was to build a moat around the property so that we could lower the water table to get the water off the golf course. An amazing project. Uh, the, the topography is so flat that we're only plus or minus three feet on this course. The lowest point in the course is three feet deep bunker. The highest point is a three feet high hill. So had to be crucial in putting angles Working with Pete, you know, lakes that come out a little bit, the temp players, all sorts of, uh, you know, tricks about this course. But this course has, stand, has stood the test of time well. Players like playing there. Uh, it's it's like Hilton Head last week, Diane. Of course, Pete Dye did that one as well. Just a little bit wider, um, tricky angles. But this is a course that uh, takes a fair amount of skill to hit these greens and score well in this tournament. Okay. Tell us about your your favorite hole or maybe a hole that there was a great story from during the design and the build process. Well, the 17th hole is a really nasty par three. It's about 200 yards and the angle of the hole is, is, is tricky because you're coming in around and over a lake. And when I was, one of my jobs there was to, to meet Pete at the course at noon and in the morning I was to work on the back nine, he was to work on the front nine and we we're going to compare notes at lunchtime. At lunch, he asked me if there was anything concerning. I said, yeah, the 17th hole. He said, okay, let's go out there. So we went out to the 17th hole and he said, what's wrong with it? And I said, well, the way the green is set currently and the lake and the wind is off the right downwind predominantly, you know, 300 days a year. I said, you can't get the ball to come in and stop over the lake. The, the, the green's too narrow. The tee's in the wrong spot. It's just, it's just not working. So Pete, you know, was having a good look around. He walked all the way down to the green. And he came all the way back and all the tour, all the tour guys were there because the tour is ultimately, you know, the tour brass is all there listening and seeing all this. And after about 20 minutes of walking down there, he came back and he said, you know, he said, Mr. Elkington is right. He said, we have to move the lake. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, and I didn't even, I wasn't thinking that we were going to move the lake, Diane. So he said, we move the, we move the lake over about, you know, 20 yards. He said, it's going to be perfect. We'll, rebuild the lake there so you know working with Pete Dye is different Diane you know he so um did everything and but one of the things that I learned the most from him was subsurface everything about Pete is subs there's two things I learned from him one is everything's about drainage and what do you do with the water and everything under the ground to make this course the way we want it to be the second one is is Pete is very tricky and devilish devilish meaning that he tricks players all the time. We were building the 15th hole 
and it's almost a drivable hole and it tempts you to take it over a 270 yard bunker, which is no problem for these guys. But behind that, he would put two or three or four other bunkers that you couldn't see from the tee. And he goes, I'm putting this one here for Phil Mickelson. I'm putting this one here for someone else, knowing that he would tempt them with their eye and, you know, then set up a trap for them. Even when, 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 you miss the green at TPC uh, New Orleans, the ball would roll off the side and it have enough speed on it to go down and away and then it would roll back up onto a slope this way so that you didn't have an upslope to pitch the ball. So he is all the way down to the most minute detail, Diane, of where that ball will finish and not having an easy shot for the pros. So very interesting building the course. It's, uh, it was a fantastic experience for me. That was amazing. Great. That's a great story about 17. Move the lake. <laughs> it's like, the lake. All those easier things that he probably could have done, but it was like, nope, we're going to move the body of water. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Right, well, um, I just want to ask you one one thing, um, and I didn't prep you about this beforehand, and it's nothing to do with the tournament this week or the course, but we're kind of going back to, to last week and to the Irish connection. But I want to touch on Rory McIlroy quickly and what you possibly think is maybe going on with him. In that he missed the cut at the Masters, you know, missed the cut at the players, didn't have the Masters that he had dreamt of and we all thought that he was, you know, capable of. Then he withdrew last week from the RBC Heritage and the tour fined him $3 million for missing another one of these designated events. You know, he's been the vocal spokesman for all the changes and kind of spearheading the pro PGA Tour and how this is all for the better of the tour and for the players. What do you, what do you make of the whole situation right now? Well, you don't have to listen to what I think. You just have to listen to what the other players think. It seemed to me that some of the other players were very disappointed that he had elected to not play next week, considering he set all this up for them. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, now it becomes a, a sort of a bigger factor that he's going to get fined $3 million. I mean, my wife and I were thinking, you know, you know, what a decision to make, right? I mean, they're going to give me, they're really going to give me $12 million for what? For doing what? Just uh, being a tour player? I didn't win it. It's just PIP money, right? It's extra money uh, for doing interviews or whatever, which was our job anyway. Great time to be a tour player. And all of a sudden they say, okay, we're going to take $3 million away from him. So he's still going to get nine. So I don't see much pain there of it to me, Diane. Uh, you know, but, oh, I think, I think, you know, I don't know if Rory's injured and he doesn't want to play, but I think he's a little embarrassed with his performance at Augusta. I think he doesn't want to inter- he doesn't want to answer questions right now about his game. He doesn't really want to answer questions about Phil Mickelson and all these guys playing well on live because he said that tour was dead. He knows that this week at Adelaide is a big event for them. They've sold out close to a hundred thousand people are going to be down there. So in Rory's orbit, I would think that it's a bit, uh, squeezed in right now and he's just wants to get out of the limelight for just a minute okay okay all right then well let's move on to talk about the Zurich Classic because it's the team event that we have on the PGA Tour and uh, it, it never used to be and then they introduced the, the, the fact that guys will play in pairs um, we have foursomes and four ball alternating Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday 80, guy, 80 pairs sorry are going to uh, tee off on Thursday what do you make of this? you know to me I think it's a bit of a breath of fresh air um, bearing in mind that the, the season always seems so long we've had one major and we have three more to come I feel like at this stage it's just good to have a little bit of a a refreshment yeah I think you know 
this tournament means a lot to a lot of players. I mean, we've been looking at the Masters and these elevated events and all these top players are getting tired. They're talking about being exhausted. Well, not most of the guys in this field, Diane. They're fresh. They want to play. And the way I understand it, 180, 160 is a lot of players, by the way, 80 teams. And if you're exempt into this tournament via your you know, clarification on the tour, you're allowed to invite whoever you want. Yeah. And there's some interesting pairings this week. Matthew Fitzpatrick has invited his brother, who, yeah. Alex, I think his name is, who's not a great player or maybe he is a great player. I don't know. We're going to find out this week. John Daly is playing this week with David DeVal. There's a lot of interesting names on this sheet. And, um, you know, four ball event, alternate shot event. This is what this this is kickstarted. You know, if you win this tournament as a team, you get all the goodies that go with it. You get Kapalua, you get all these masters and all these other tournaments. So for the smaller guy, and there's some interesting dynamics that, that comes into us when you start to look at teams like Sahith Thagala and bringing on a rookie with him with uh, Justin Su uh, or Justin Sa. Um, will Thagala get over the, over the fence this week with a young guy and, you know, it's just very, you know, interesting. Can they beat a couple of these super teams that I'm calling at the top of the board, Diane, that won last year? And we'll get into that as we talk about how we how we how we think about our teams this week. Yeah. They they don't get into the masters, they get everything else. They get they each get one and a half million dollars and four hundred FedEx Cup points. Um and they get into like the players and Tournament of Champions, the Masters is the only thing that they don't get. Um, but as you say, you know, this is a it's a huge event. And for a lot of guys, they get to combine powers. I mean, look at them. Um, we're going to talk about Cantley and Shoffley, who are defending champions. And last year, they broke the record and ended up at 29 under par. You know, those two guys are powerhouses and are playing great right now. So we will we'll touch on that. But um, there's some old pairings that you know guys that kind of always stick together and my top pick is a tried and tested team around here but there's a lot of new pairings too that are looking extremely dangerous you know we talked about Cantley and Shoffley being the, the the number one but then Max Homa is playing with Colin Morikawa so that is an absolute star pairing. Um, Siwoo Kim and Tom Kim together. Can't wait to see those guys. Um, so there's there's definitely a, a lot going on this week and a lot of exciting pairings that are, you know, going to be dynamic and have the potential to go out there and give Cantley and Shoffley a run for their money. Yeah, and the way we the way we think about uh, handicap in this event, Diane, as you know. We take the stats that are very important to winning this tournament over the last five or six years, whether it be, you know, proximity to the hole, whether it's scrambling, putting, birdies, driving, and we take the stats of both players on the team and of what they've been doing over the last 10 weeks on tour, and we combine those together. So we have one team that is the best putting team, or one team is the best scrambling team. And you already talked about two super teams, like we're calling them the super teams this this week, that we're both not picking, Cantlay and Shoffley. They're, you know, top 10 in, in driving. They're number four in scrambling. Uh, they're putting number three in the putting team. They're number two in birdie team. Morikawa and Honda the, are the best team at making birdies. They're the sixth in putting. Morikawa is not quite as good a putter as Honma, but Honma hardly ever misses. Uh, proximity to the hole, they're number seven. So, you know, when I think about what's going to win this tournament, it's probably not going to be driving. You know, in my mind, when we did this course, 
it's pretty generous off the tee. And I don't think you have to be miles down there to win the tournament either. I've seen, a, you know, there's a bunch of other uh, tournaments played at this course, Diane, that weren't, uh, you know, team events. And um, so I know the style of player that wins here. Well, Brian Stewart, he's a great example. 2016, he won this tournament when it was just a, a solo tournament. And he's one of the shortest hitters on tour. So he's a great example. Yeah. So the, the question will be, uh, for everyone that's betting this week, Diane, will be, do you take the super teams at the top? And can anyone, you know, beat them? I mean, historically speaking, you need two good putters. So to win this tournament, I think you've got to hit great iron shots in there to make, to make birdies. And on alternate shots, always very tricky. You need someone that knocks it down the middle and then the other guy knocks it on the green. Think Morikawa and Max Honma, for God's sake. Who, who, who could be more consistent than those two guys off the tee and then knock it on the green and somebody putts it? So calling those the super teams. Who else down below has two good putters or two good iron players that could push up? And, you know, you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to win this tournament with just one guy that, you know, that can putt good. Yeah. It's really hard to make picks this week because every team I'm like, oh, they'd be great. Oh, they'd be great. They'd be great. So it's, um, yeah, we're kind of digging a little bit deeper. Yes, it would be very easy for us to pick those super teams at the top. But I think it's our job to, you know, argue for some other teams that maybe aren't on your radar. I'll be paying attention to you because you almost had back-to-back -back winners on the show. You had well, I sort of did. I, I sort of did. I was tied for first for like an hour with Jordan Spieth, who I had winning last week. And uh, I saw the replay of a couple of the putts dying. Oh, my gosh, those putts were so close to just could have fell in the hole. But uh, Fitzpatrick, the shot that he hit uh, to, to finish him off was incredible. And, you know, that guy, he is so unusual. You know, he sort of... Um, does every, you know, he's obviously the U.S. Open champion, but he does everything very quietly. You know, he um, he sort of has an inside, over-the-top-looking swing. Very efficient. We've seen it. I've seen it many times on tour. Very straight hitter. He chips cross-handed, Diane. He plays bunker shots cross-handed. I mean, um, nobody sort of picks on him for any of that, and he's been off form this season, <clears throat> a little bit injured, and now he's back. Billy Foster, of course, who caddy for Seve Ballesteros is on his bag. So it seems like whenever Matt Fitzpatrick gets anywhere near the lead, he is like the most dangerous person out there. Yeah, and I just love him. I love the fact that he's like nerdy in the best way because he, if you watched his episode on the Netflix Full Swing documentary, he records every single shot that he's ever hit. So he almost kind of journals after a round and writes down literally everything. So he studies it all. He's like so geeky over it. And I just love it. I think he seems like a, like a, a great person. You can't... When you have Jordan Smith and Matt Fitzpatrick in a playoff, there's not one guy that you can root for over the other. Um, I was actually rooting for Fitzpatrick because the fans were so against him in the playoff and they were chanting USA. And um, I was like, you know, it must be hard for him to hear that, especially playing with Jordan Smith, who was defending champion and an absolute fan favorite out there. So... Um, he did it, and as you say, that that shot that he hit, what was it, a nine iron he hit on 18 to 12 inches and then went on to win was just amazing. So good on him. And what a way to celebrate by playing with his brother this week. Yeah, and also uh, his brother will be waiting.
more nervous than he would have been without already playing with the US Open champion. Now he's defending champion from last week, but uh, not defending champion, but the champion last week. He also has one of those, you know, when, when guys putt, they have those big fat grips now. They all hold these grips and they putt to keep their hands out of it. Matthew Fitzpatrick has one of those on his driver, which is a putting grip that he has an extra driver that he takes to the driving range and he, he puts his hands as huge grip and it must be very flat on top. And he's doing something in his swing on practice to, you know, feel a certain angle. I'm, I'm guessing that he wants to feel a very straight line through impact area of where he's going. Wow. And then he puts that that big fat cat driver back away and gets his regular one with a round grip and starts practicing on the driving range. But very unorthodox. Nobody copies anything that Matthew Fitzpatrick does on anything. And here he is, current U.S. Open champion now, a tournament winner at Hilton Head. I think his first uh, win in the uh, U.S. other than uh, the U.S. Open, U.S. Amateur champion. Won, he's won tons of tournaments overseas, but now he's starting to really emerge here. Yeah, so good. Great to watch. Okay, right, let's get on to our picks for this week then. So the format is they play best ball on Thursday. So obviously that's when we see the super low scores and all the birdies coming at you. Then alternate shot on Friday. The cut is made. As I said, it's 80 teams that tee it up on Thursday. The cut is 33 and ties. Um, and then they do the same pattern again with best ball on Saturday. And then we have all the drama of alternate shot to round things off on Saturday. Sunday. Right. Um, do you want to go first with your outright favourite? Yeah, I, I go first. You always go first, so I'll go first this week. Um, we talked about the super teams, Diane. I'm not picking one of those this week. I am going for a couple of guys um, that I really like. Keith Mitchell playing with some JM, which is kind of unusual pairing, I suppose. I mean, sometimes you see the Koreans stick together and play together. Some J usually with, you know, another player. Uh, they they both have played well in this tournament. They finished, you know, Keith Mitchell was tied four two years ago, and four, and Sumjay was 14th. But I like that, you know, I know how straight um, Sumjay M hits it. I know he's going to hit every green that, that Keith Mitchell drives down the fairway. And Keith Mitchell's probably one of the longest hitters on our tour. Um, they putt good as a team. They're the seventh best putting team. They're the third best birdie making team. And they scramble well. Diane, I love this team. It's very unusual, uh, good combination, and I'm I'm all over that team. Um, there was a cute video as well of how Sung JM asked Keith to be his partner, and he left him a little note in his locker, and it was like it was like inviting him to prom um, with a little box that he had to check. So no. okay, I'm not picking him now. I'm not picking. <laughs> him. I, I thought it was going to be over a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> if only, if only. Yeah, um, yeah. I am going for one of the Vegas favorite super teams. Uh, first of all, let's check the odds, actually. Let's check the yeah, odds yeah. for Keith Mitchell yeah, and yeah. Sanjay M. 14 to 1. Yeah. Okay. Well, my guys are 18 to 1. So okay. Um, okay. they're maybe not a Vegas favorite, but they're definitely a favorite because of their the way that they've worked well together before and that they finished runner-up last year and fourth in 2021. Sam Burns and Billy Horschel, they're going to be my dynamic duo this week. Billy Horschel hasn't been playing all that great lately, but 
He did win this event in 2018 alongside Scott Piercy. Um, the guys have obviously played well together, as I say, to finish a runner-up last year and fourth the year before. Um, and I say that Billy has been playing great. He just had a top 10 at the match play. We saw Sam Burns win at the match play. Sam Burns has really turned his game around. You know, it was, it was dipping and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, I think he played well at the players and then um, obviously got that win at the match play. So Sam Burns is definitely on the rise, like he has to rise much further than the heights that he's been at before. Um, and Billy Horschel, he's just a competitor. He, you can tell how much it always means to Horschel. He fights, he wants to win. And I think this year could be it for those two. So I'm going with Sam Burns and Billy Horschel at 18 to 1. Yeah, Horschel's dangerous because he's been off form and he hasn't been putting very good, and I think that's eaten into his game. But Sam Burns will probably get that straightened out this week. So they're very dangerous. I agree. Okay, good. All right, then. So you're going with Keith Mitchell and Sun JM, and then my outright favourite, Sam Burns and Billy Horschel. Um, one to watch, teams at slightly higher odds. I'm going to start with mine because I'm so worried that you're going to take it. <laughs> <laughs> I am picking... Sam Ryder and Doc Redman. Um, okay, these, okay. these guys have, have been in a team before and um, they've played well. They have that camaraderie. They both live locally close to me um, here in Jacksonville Beach, Atlantic Beach area. Um, they're great buds. They know each other's games, obviously, inside out. Sam Ryder has been playing so well. We saw him almost win at Tory Pines. Then he finished third at the Valero Texas Open. Um, Doc Redman's season has been kind of the opposite in that there hasn't really been too many bright sparks. A T16 at the Valspar is really it. But as I said, these guys have got great history here. They have that, I think they have fun when they're out there. They're, they're best mates. They're gonna have fun when they're playing together. And at 50 to one, I love them this week as my ones to watch. I like them too, Diane. And you know, I worry a little bit sometimes about tour players because I was one for 32 years and I worry about guys like the ones you just spoke of that are not these elevated players, but they're very good players and they're worth watching and they've got great stories. And yeah, we're going to see them, but the tour is kind of separating everybody a little bit. And I'm a little concerned about it. I mean, would the, the Hilton head event last, uh, last week be better next week, next year, if it didn't have a cut, probably not. All the good players made the cut. They all made the cut last week and it was awesome. So they're going to be basically, it's going to be 80 guys or 70 guys that aren't going to get a crack at that event next week, next year. Anyway, on to my team. I'm going with a bit of a dark horse uh, right out of the gate here, Diane. I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at two statistics um, to win this tournament. You know, I'm looking for a team that hits the ball close to the pin. I'm talking about hits the ball closest to the pin all year, not just five minutes ago or last week, I'd go back eight weeks in our day to Diane to see where these players are ranked eight weeks ago and seven and six and fifth and so on. Well, this team that I'm talking about is ranked number two in this field at proximity to the hole. And you've never heard of either one of them almost. Everyone listening to the show hardly has. I'm talking about Dylan Wu and Justin Lower. They are number two in proximity to the hole team, and they're 14th in putting. So that tells me that they're going to hit the most greens of almost anyone in the field, and they're in the top 15 in putting to convert. 
They're 75 to 1, and I think if anyone's thinking about a bet, Diane, this is a very dangerous team. And on top of all that, they finished top 10 in this tournament last year together. So I'm very happy about this team, Diane. I was looking at Sahith Fagala and uh, Justin Suh, who are a very dangerous team too. Suh is not playing as well as Thagala. Thagala almost had a chance again last week at Hilton Head. We see him almost routinely. I don't want to say this, I uh, say this in the most positive way possible. He signed, kind of stumbled the last few holes in about four different tournaments now. We saw him in trouble at Phoenix. We saw him in trouble at Hartford. We saw him in trouble at Hilton Head at the last. So he's going to do it. It's just whether or not one of us is going to be on him at that particular week. I think he'll drag up Justin Saar's game uh, this week, but I'm still on Dylan and Lower. Uh, and Dylan Wu and Lower as my ones to watch this week. Okay, and um, I love them. I think they're a great pick. Um, going back to Justin Saar and Thagala, you're right. If we are not on Thagala when he wins, I'm going to be devastated because I feel like we want to celebrate him too. But Justin Saar just finished fifth at the Honda and sixth at the Players. He's been playing really good as well. Um, so these are both California guys. You know, they're obviously friendly as well. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I was so close to picking them, but they were only 22 to one this week. Um, I wanted them to be a little bit higher, but I like your guys, Dylan Wu and Justin Lauer, and I'm going for Sam Ryder and Doc Redman. Okay, dark horses. Let's go with whoever has the highest odds can talk first. I'm, I'm, one, I'm one, 125 to one. Oh, I'm 180 to one. <laughs> okay, you, you go first. Okay, well, this uh, half of this team is a guy that I've been really big on this year, and it's definitely paid dividends. He's had five top 11 finishes, including a T6 at the Players, his local event, um, and another guy who he at last year actually went back to the Corn Ferry Tour finals to regain his status on the PGA Tour after a battling injury and having a really tough few years. He won one of those tournaments, got his playing privileges back, like full playing privileges on the PGA Tour, and he's been flying ever since then. So David Lingmurth is half of my team at 180 to one. The other half is fellow Swede Jonas Blixt. Jonas has been playing Corn Ferry Tour and a little bit of PGA Tour, so we don't have like really specific detailed stats on Jonas, but I do have one for you. He's a past champion of this tournament after winning with his teammate Cam Smith. So he knows the course well. I remember that year, it was a Monday finish and it was an, a, an epic playoff and it was Blixton Smith who eventually got that W. Back when Cam Smith was nowhere near the rising star or <laughs> he's not a rising star anymore. We, we know what he's capable of, but um, it was a very different Cam Smith that we saw back then. But I love this. I think that um, these guys have form, they have course knowledge, they have the friendship element and I love of the odds of Lingworth and Blakes at 180 to 1. I do too. And Cam Smith came back, of course, and won this tournament with Michael Leishman. And what does Cam Smith do better than anyone else, Diane? And why did he win at New Orleans? Is it because he putts like nobody's ever in the world and he hits the greens with his wedges and, you know, all these shots? Cam's not the greatest driver of the golf ball out on the tour, but when it comes to iron shots and putting, I can see why Cam Smith... Uh, you know, was twice the winner at this tournament. Now, I don't have any stats either on my 125 to one. And 
surprisingly, Diane, my team's rent has better odds, uh, less odds than you, because and my team is ancient. I have a player that has a couple of jobs to do this week. I'm talking, of course, about Zach Johnson, who's been playing really good. Can you tell me what he is in the FedEx Cup this year? I mean, he is in the money pretty good. Yeah. Um, I saw he played well last week. He finished really strong at Hilton Head. So while you find him, his partner is Steve Stricker, who's just like the straightest hitter in the world and wedge player and the, probably one of the greatest putters. I mean, Tiger Woods goes to Steve Stricker for advice on putting. So, um, you know, when I think about what does it take to play well in New Orleans, if there was ever a team that was put together 10 years ago, these guys would be the, these guys would be the super team right here. Zach Johnson never misses a fairway. They hardly miss a green. They're not the longest players, which can't compete every week. But on this tournament, I still think they're dangerous. I mean, they're not, you know, they they both putt great. Zach's playing well. Steve Stricker wins every other week on the Champions Tour. So I'm at 125 to 1 on those two, Diane. And, and of course, as you know, Zach Johnson is the Ryder Cup captain this year. So he'll have an eye on all these other guys that are playing up above him. Uh, as well this week. Zach Johnson's 80th in the FedEx Cup standings right now, which is a very yeah, yeah. good number to be at at this stage. Um, and there, I, I found them at 130 to 1, so you've got a little bit higher than uh, 125. Uh, okay, I'll take, I'll, I'll take 130. I'm adjusting now. Take, take that extra cash if they get it done. Um, I was like, are you going to pick John Daly and David Duval? <laughs> I was like, are yeah. we? Yeah. They would be a lot higher than that. I'll pick them for a different. I'll pick them for a different contest, maybe in the clubhouse or at the bar, but not not uh, on the course this week. They're a thousand to one this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as so, they should be. Yeah, right. Um, okay, I love it. Um, I have David Lingworth and Jonas Blixt, and you're going with Steve Stricker and Zach Johnson as your dark horse picks. Um, as we said, it's just a fun week. It's just a, a break from the norm. But alongside the fun, there's a lot in that 1.5 million, as we said, to each of the teammates who win 400 FedEx Cup points. It it counts as a, a full victory. They get everything minus that place at the Masters next year. But it's exciting. And, um, and you know, as I said, it's hard to make picks this week because I feel like there's so many teams that really jump off the page. Yeah, and, and one last thing, uh, ask, I want to ask you a question. Now that we've had a week after uh, the Masters, Diane, and, you know, Brooks Kepper, of course, was right there. Pat, uh, Patrick Reed was there in the top five, and so was Phil Mickelson finishing second. Um, Diane, now those guys have had a week off, headed to Adelaide to play in Australia this week, another $4 million to the winner. Um the tour players over here have had to play in Hilton Head. We've already heard how tired they are. What is your opinion? Is it, I'm going to throw you a really loaded question. <laughs> if you're a good player like Cam Smith or Phil Mickelson or Brooks Kepka, is it better to be on live than it is to be on the tour? That's a huge question. I can't believe you normally like will give me a wee bit of a heads up if you're going to throw it at me. But <laughs> nope, this week we're just going for it. Um, I think that they are not regretting their decision. And I said this before the Masters, that that was going to be the big week. That was going to be the telling week in that everyone had said they're playing so, so less golf that is their form going to be affected? Are we going to see a, a real... Um, 
you know, decrease in the standard of their game? Are they going to be able to stand up against the PGA Tour players that are doing great? Well, I mean, I think we know that that's fine. And the three names that you mentioned, uh, Kepka runner-up, Phil Mickelson finishing third. That was the the biggest shock, I think, for everyone. Um because he hadn't really been doing much on live anyway. And then all of a sudden he comes back to, okay, of course he's won on before and knows inside out. Um, but good for him. And Patrick Reed was always going to be one that was going to try and shut up the haters. Um, so I, I think this week is going to be enormous. I'm thinking of Cam Smith, obviously, and Mark Leishman going back to Australia. Um, the fans are going to be, we always, you know, better than anyone that the Australians, when there's golf there, they love it and they fully embrace it. The fans are going to be all over this. This is going to be a huge week for Liv. And I think these guys are going to be playing with um, a bit more confidence is the wrong word, but they went out there and they, they did well at the Masters and now they're back doing their thing. And did I say it? because um, anytime I mention anything like this, people are going to jump on it. But I really think it validates live further. I think I'm going to make a prediction right here. I think um, the live model is going to change this week. And here's what I mean by that. The only time when it becomes the most contentious uh, over here with everybody is when they're both in the U.S. playing against one another at the same time. Mm-hmm. When live goes out this week to Adelaide and all the – you know, I'm Australian. All these Australian people, they just want to see all these top players. Do you think, I think, this is true, I'm asking you at the end of it, I think this new model is going to emerge where they'll go back to Australia two or three times. They'll go to Singapore. They'll go to Hong Kong. They'll go to, I asked a lot of people in Ireland last week, would you go watch the live event if it was played at Lahinch or Ballybunion? And they're like, oh, yeah, I'd love to go see those players up close. So will the will the model change? I think it will to where... Live will predominantly stay maybe outside of the U.S. and be, be huge in these smaller markets, Diane, where they can get people to a tournament in a week. And they did say that that was one of their goals, wasn't it? And that's why they've kind of formed these teams. Like we have the South American team. We talked about this Australian team with Cam Smith and Mark Leishman, Matt Jones. Um, so we have these, these guys that are putting their kind of like geographical teams together um, which you know maybe this was the plan all along and that, that's what they're going to branch out and do but um, you're right they, they, that is when they butt heads is when they're both in the US and it's almost like you have to be on one team or the other you can't sit on the fence and enjoy both maybe this will make it a little bit easier to do so who knows but I bet you there's some um, there's some Guys on the tour thinking, man, you know, these guys just came in here and played good at the Masters, and now they're going to Australia. They're on a team. They get seven hundred fifty thousand apiece if they win the team that week. They're guaranteed one hundred sixty thousand just to be there. There's four million up for grabs for first prize. They play one week and they take three weeks off. They can still get ready for the PGA and the U.S. Open and the and the and the Open Championship. They're gonna, I mean. I guarantee you there's some guys on tour thinking, holy smokes, what am I doing? Should I have gone over here or, you know, do I have to play these? You know, look at Rory. Rory's already missed two of these elevated events. So, you know, I just think, I think this this is an interesting week to for sure. But, but the big but still has to be the, the world golf ranking points because, yes, it was great to see a lot of these guys playing in the Masters. 
but are they going to be there next year if they are not getting points and they're just going to dwindle, dwindle, dwindle? Thomas Peters to me was a great example. I think he's sitting at like number 44, 45 in the world when he played at the Masters. Um, you know, he's going to be outside the top 50. He's playing on live now. If he doesn't get world ranking points, there's no way for him to move up. So, you know, for a lot of these guys that don't have exemptions in other ways, like Kepka and like Phil, Patrick Reed, DJ, yeah, we're going to see them there. But what about the rest of the guys? So um, the, that's going to be surely the kicker is the, the world ranking points. And if they are awarded them, then I'm sure there's going to be a lot of guys thinking, man, I want a piece of that pie. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when you think about the top three players, Mickelson, uh, Kepka, and Reed, they're they're not top hundred. They're they're not outside of the top hundred in anyone's mind. They all fit, they proved it at the Masters, so they'll have to get that straightened out. But either way, I mean, Cam Smith's exempt for the next five years into all the majors, and so are a lot of some of some so are some of the other guys. Um, interesting week, Diane, to say the least. Always. All right. Well, thank you very much. It was always uh, great to get your insight on on Live and the PGA Tour, and then also to hear you talk about the design of TBC Louisiana, which we're going to see in all its glory this week for the Zurich Classic. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, forward, limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.